You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey, it's Bilal Bacani at Bilal V87 on Twitter and Instagram. AW Bash at the Beach is trash. But I will say one nice thing. There is a very good tribute to the late Rocky Johnson off the top. But I came away from this broadcast wondering, why didn't I watch the Raptors versus Thunder? Because this was bad. We kick it off with a four-way tag team match to determine the number one contender for SCU next week. It featured Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. They are the fourth-ranked tag team with a grand record of 7-7. Seven and seven. Then we have Santana and Ortiz. They are 4-2. and two. Then we have the Best Friends. They're ranked third, and they're 4-4. Four and four. Then the Young Bucks. They're the best. They're 5-4. and four. These... Four teams are a combined three wins over 500. Like, you talk about 50-50 booking. This is it to an extreme. Although, I did like that Justin Roberts and many of the announcers had Hawaiian shorts, shirts to sort of sell the bash at the beach, you know, thing. Now, I, I need to tell uh, the AEW fans who I'm sure are listening, stop chanting holy shh because it just gets bleeped. And I think there's something wrong with my TV. But I know there's nothing wrong with my TV because this is the only television show where this is a problem. And it makes the audio guy in AEW look stupid. It makes you look stupid. And it just makes... It's also that they're not smart enough to do this in a cohesive way. They just bleep out 10, 20-second chunks of the broadcast audio-wise. I did like the low-key storytelling with the Bucks sort of tagging Kenny instead of Hangman Page and him being upset about that. There was the nine-man suplex that Orange Cassidy was kind of the deciding factor in. But then I thought about, where's Jurassic Express? Where are the Dark Order? And and then we finally had Page and Kenny winning of all teams. And they'll get a title match. Um, the Bucks did most of the work. I like that as a sidebar. <coughs> but not a great way to start the show. The match was great, but just... Push one of these teams properly. Uh, you know, if you had pushed, say, the Bucks, given them a bunch of wins, and then had Kenny and Hangman Page from their individual efforts, not their teamwork win, and had sort of a, a nice upset, this just felt like a bunch of teams that were average or slightly above average. And I mean, like, barely above average, but like one or two victories, like, just by the you know slimmest of margins. Anyways... We then had Cody finally addressing the MJF stuff. He sloppily got to some slide. He had to call out the producer by name, and then there was a weird delay. He talked through the points that we all know. MJF wants Wardlow to fight him. He wants to lash him, and I don't care after that. He accused MJF of stalling when he himself is clearly stalling. And he said MJF's motto, or he said MJF, you know, everybody says less is more because you're incapable of more. Kind of reminds me of AEW, Cody. Careful there. And Cody obviously stopped short of throwing this guy under the bus as I would, which I will a little bit later, as a poor man's EC3 or EC3 gone wrong. And yeah, Cody finally accepted, but I'll get to this later because we are in for a a month-plus journey just to get to the Wardlow match, let alone the actual match with MJF. And I just want to point out, because I I tried to ignore it, I don't like having... uh, swimsuit model on the stage it's 2019 you know i know you want to be different than wwe but do that with quality product not by objectifying a a innocent young woman i just it was harmless but it just wake up come on you know uh 
Joey Janela finally realized it was 2020, two weeks after, and had a backstage promo about his ex, Penelope, Penelope Ford, Kip Sabian. They had nothing uh, better to do with any of these people, so I guess okay. But of course, good old Impact, or not Impact, <laughs> good old AW Dynamite stretching this mother out. Next week he's facing Ray Phoenix, because... I can already see Kip or Penelope running an interference angle so they can protect Phoenix and uh, extend this rivalry. I'm not looking forward to it. Then, uh, the Nightmare Collective of Brandy Rhodes and Mel with Luther, who, I don't know why they weren't without Kong. I don't think that was explained at all. I thought it was going to be Kong in this match. They faced what I thought would be Riho, but I guess they can't afford to have her on every week. So it was Hiroki Sakura, and I think I've learned her name finally, and Chris Statlander. The commentators mainly put over Luther in the lead-up to this match, trying to say, you and I knew who he was, when clearly we don't. Like, if you know who Luther is, tell me. Tweet me up, Alavi87. And after building Luther up, he blocked Hiroki's entrance, and he got pwned with a kendo stick. Great job, guys. Uh, um, and, and, and even yet, without Kong, I wanted this match to be Brandy and Statlander, and we probably got that at one point. I don't even know if we did. What we ended up with eventually was Statlander pinning Mel. Kind of a cop-out of a match that did very little for me. I don't care about Hiroki. I, I don't care about Mel. I barely care about Brandy. And, you know, I, I, like, I care about Statlander. But this is... Oh, man. This is not good. Then the uh, Dark Order had what I could only describe as an interesting meeting. Where they pointed out... They were going to target new members. Now, if, if you're not following this story closely, and I don't blame you because it's not good, the Dark Order are recruiting losers. So they started with Michael Nakazawa. All right, yeah, he's a loser. Okay. Then they went on to Kenny Omega, who not only won minutes ago, but is one of the greatest wrestlers ever. In what universe does he join the Dark Order just because you have his loser friend? They moved on to Brandon Cutler. Yeah, okay, he's a loser. Then they moved on to Hangman Page, who also just won and seems like kind of a lone wolf. I think that's kind of the story. So why would he join the Dark Order? I I, I don't get it. Like I think this is where this has is, is already fallen apart a couple of times. But if your thing is to target losers, go after losers. I, I can't even believe I have to say that. Stop being an idiot. Speaking of which, Sammy Guevara then took on, took on John Moxley in a spot for number one contenders match next week, which is very odd because I'm fairly certain Moxley's already the number one contender for Jericho's title, and that's why all the other stuff with the inner circle happened before. Like, I would have been fine if Guevara had a match with Moxley, and it was just because of the stuff that happened last week, but to make this part of some weird number one contenders thing, again, it just feels like they're stretching stuff out. Ugh. Anyways... Uh, Dean won, of course. He didn't even hit the DDT. He used a rear naked choke. And then I realized, why are we having this match? Dean pwned this guy last week after he had a bit of the bubbly. I, I, uh. Jericho's music hit, and then the lights went out, and of course the inner circle came to the ring. John Moxley's a loner, so he had no friends, but uh, the inner circle has so many en uh, enemies. The elite... You know, uh, Cody's, uh, I don't know. I don't know how nobody helped Moxley or how Moxley has not recruited somebody. Knowing this situation would happen, Jericho took one of the spikes off his jacket, pretended to put it in the eye of Moxley, which of course he didn't. It's such a dumb spot. 
And they needed medical attention. The audio got weird. Um, oh, sorry, I skipped ahead. We went backstage after the break. <clears throat> and I don't know if it's because Jericho swore or if because the audio guys just suck, but it cut out a bunch. I, you know, he said something about doing this to Jungle Boy next week. I don't even know if there's a match with Jungle Boy next week. I guess there's some sort of six-man tag thing. They mentioned it last week. I don't think they mentioned it this week, but it's next week. Fine. I, whatever. The Butcher, the Bunny, and the Blade came out because, you know, everything is kind of the same in AEW. It was another big heel stable with some black on. Um, and by which I mean leather. They tagged with MJF. Of course, Wardlow was there. And again, this is, just feels like EC3 gone too far. Uh, they were taking on QT Marshall, who I finally realized his gimmick is he's from the Big Apple and he has a Big Apple on his gear in his entrance video. I don't think he's much of a character beyond that. We then had Dustin Rhodes and DDP. So it was a six-man tag. MJF kind of had a neat spot where he tagged out, kind of hid in the crowd, but kind of tagged back in, so not much commitment to that bit. The Bunny and Ward, Wardlow got involved because... Despite the fact uh, Audrey, their referee, is, is over. So over that when, uh, earlier in the night, they were cheering for her. They made her look like a fool and let two sneak attacks happen. And as a, so the second time of the night, and I tried to ignore this. I'm trying. The announcers uh, teased the match might end in pitcher and pitcher. If you're going to tease it, you damn well better do it. Stop being cowards. MJF rolled up QT. That was the end of the match. Again, it's a cop-out of an ending. We then went backstage with SCU. Uh, they were talking about defending against Hangman Page and Kenny. Of course, Hangman interrupted them. Sort of ripped down uh, Daniel's shirt. Not really. Kind of stretched it a little. Kenny played Peacemaker. Page kind of apologized, but it did something else. I guess he was drunk. It wasn't really clear. And yeah, that's that. We'll see this match next week. We then found out Cody will take on Wardlow on February 19th. Oh my god. This is over a month. And then the week after, or 10 days after, or whatever, then we finally get Cody versus MJF. I don't know what the hell they're going to do to stretch this mother thing out for another month, but I'm not looking forward to it. Pac then took on Darby Allen. Uh, Darby Allen has <laughs> got a record of 4-3-1, and one, and he's in a number one contenders match. This dude is half a match over 500, or a match over 500. Because the rankings matter so much. And it occurred to me during this match that this was the main event. It really didn't feel like it. Because you knew the winner of this is just going to lose to John Moxley. Anyways. Of course, Pac won. Because I don't even know why Darby Allen was in this thing. Or why Sammy Guevara was in a number one contender's... Even if it was the semifinals for a number one contender spot earlier. It didn't make any sense. Anywho. Tony interviewed Pac after the win. And Dean was backstage. He was in an ambulance. Of course, he broke out of the ambulance. He came out to the stage. Cut uh, the promo you imagine. I'm not even going to describe it. He's going to kick his ass. He's going to take on Jericho. Maybe he said, I don't even know if he got that far. And that's how Bash of the Beach went off the air. Not impressed. Not impressed. I don't think I liked any of this show. I didn't like any of it. I liked parts of it. I liked people. I liked the general match quality. But from a storyline perspective, this sucked. This sucked. I'm, I'm not going to... You know, I, 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 I don't care if you disagree with me. Go ahead. Tweet me up below the 87. Bring it on. This is a bad show. And if you can't see that, I think you're a fanboy or girl. I, I just... There's technical issues. There's terrible selling by the commentators. A lot of the storylines feel the same. There's a bunch of cop-out endings. And you may want to hate on WWE. But at the end of the day, Paul Heyman 
is gradually riding that ship. Roman Reigns has recovered his character and a lot of problems with SmackDown. NXT, which I don't get to see until tomorrow in Canada, I guarantee you is better than this show. I will be pleasantly surprised if NXT was worse than this. Because this was bad. I regret watching this. And you should too, if you watched it. But, that's life. You can tweet me at BilalV87 on Twitter. And, much like the main event of Dynamite this week, it's a pretty anticlimactic ending for both of us. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.